Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. Today is not actually a normal live episode. It's MLK Junior Day. Of course, all of us are celebrating privately. Charlie has a kid who is out of school today, and so he is hanging out with him. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you guys one of our MLK Jr. episodes that we've done in the past. Everyone does them, and actually, I think this one was pretty good. It's all the way from back in 2021. We sound much younger and uh, probably more hopeful for the future. I don't know. But 2021, a lot of stuff was going on. We just came out of 2020, which we know was a pretty crazy year. So anyway, I think you guys are going to enjoy this. We're going to start off with, uh, of course, a speech from MLK. And it is the I Have a Dream speech, but it's not that part. And that's not my favorite part of the speech. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of great parts, clearly. But we're going to listen to the part that Charlie and I both thought was the most important and we're going to be going through an article that talks about how a lot of MLK's message was actually pretty libertarian, even though he was a socialist, right? So we'll go through that. Before we get into that, I want to tell you guys about Lions of Liberty. Now, Brian and John, we've known these dudes for a long time now. Since we started doing podcasts, we have known these guys. We listen to their show all the time. We've been listening to Lions of Liberty since before we even started doing this show, that's because this is one of the longest running libertarian slash anarchist podcast networks in the world. There's some of the OGs out there of Liberty Podcast. They've always been super nice dudes. Uh, we've had them on the show before. We've been on their show. They're really fun to listen to. Seem to be pretty funny guys. I don't know. But on Mondays, John Odermatt delivers a powerful mix of inspiration, health, and faith to set your mind, body, and soul free with finding freedom. Every Wednesday, Brian McWilliams will make you laugh at our broken world while providing the promise of a better future with Mean Age Daydream. Friday includes shows like Meme Wars or Hate Watch or their famous Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor episodes, which Charlie and I have been on before. Oddly enough, I don't drink, but I was still on the show. So that was nice of them to be inclusive. Lines of Liberty, the first step towards freedom. Listen today to the Lines of Liberty Network everywhere podcasts are found. Continue to delve deeper into the philosophy of nonviolent resistance. That is something about this method that has power. And I know that there are those who will ridicule it occasionally. But it has worked miracles in the South. It has morality with it because it gives us the opportunity to work to secure moral ends through moral means. But it has certain practical consequences. It exposes the moral defenses of the opponent. Somehow weakens his morale. And all at the same time it is working on his, on, on his conscience. It disarms him, and he just doesn't know what to do with it. If he puts you in jail, that's all right. If he doesn't put you in jail, fine. If he beats you up, that's all right. If he doesn't beat you up, that's all right. If he tries to kill you, all right. You develop the quiet courage of dying, if necessary, without killing. If he tries to threaten you, all right. If he doesn't, 
And that is something about it which causes the opponent not to know what to do. Now, he would know what to do with violence. He could call out the state militia. He could call out the National Guard and kill hundreds and hundreds of innocent people and argue that they are inciting a riot. They know how to handle violence, but they proved over and over again that they don't know how to handle non-violence. What do you mean when you tell us to love these people who are beating on us and bombing our houses and kicking our children around? What in the world do you mean when you say love such people? There are three words in the Greek language for love. One of them is the word eros. Now eros is a sort of aesthetic love. Uh, the philosopher Plato talks about it a great deal in his dialogues, the yearning of the soul for the realm of the divine. It has come to us to mean a sort of romantic love, and so we all know about eros. We... Then the Greek language talks about phileo, which is another level of love. It is an intimate affection between personal friends. On this level, we love because we are love. We love people that we like. This is friendship. Then the Greek language has another word called agape. Agape is more than romantic love. Agape is more than friendship. Agape is not something affectionate. Agape is understanding, creative, redemptive goodwill for all men. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. Theologians would say that it is the love of God operating in the human heart. And when one rises to love on this level, he loves men not because he likes them, but he loves every man because God loves him. And so he rises to the level of hating the system rather than the individual who is caught up in that system. He loves the person and hates the evil deed. And somehow, more and more I've come to believe this, that this is the way that we will get out of this dark night of oppression and make of this nation a better nation. It means that we can stand up and allow the, allow the opposition to know that we will not accept injustice. We will stand up against it with our lives, but we will never stoop down to the level of violence and hatred. And we will come to that point when we will be able to convince him that a new world is emerging. And I tell you this evening that it will give us the right attitude. But I submit to you this evening that this way of nonviolence will help us not to seek to rise from a position of disadvantage to one of advantage, thus subverting justice. We will not substitute one tyranny for another, for black supremacy is as dangerous as white supremacy. I am convinced this afternoon that God is not interested merely in the freedom of black men and brown men and yellow men. God is interested in the freedom of the whole human race and the creation of a society. And I believe with this method and this approach, we will be able to win. And finally, as we struggle, we do not struggle alone. It's dark sometimes. It's difficult, and particularly for those who are struggling in the deep south, facing all of the violence and all of the suffering. But that is something that consoles us along the way. We are convinced that our cause is right. I return to Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, not in despair, not in bitterness. I return knowing that we are moving into a bright day of freedom. Yes, we, through our struggles, through our suffering, 
through our sacrifice, we'll be able to achieve the American dream. And this will be the day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, and God Almighty, we are free at last. All right. Free at last. Now, the subtitles on that video, let me tell you what, those are terrible, man. Absolutely terrible. (laughs) Just, that's terrible. But I seriously get uh, just like, who just said that? Daisy said it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I get chills every time I listen to that. It's, it's, to me, it is the most important part of that speech. I think the nonviolence thing needs, I mean, look at our society today. We got to talk more about, about the nonviolence principle from Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, it's so, so important. And the agape love. The agape love. That's a tough one. It's a really tough one. Yes. Do you love the socialists? Do you love the commies? You got to love your enemies. You feel love for them? Yeah. You can disagree with them. Yeah. But I wouldn't want any harm to come against them. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a really, really tough one. But like Nicole was saying in this article here, I mean, the very libertarian sounding ideas, the whole principle of nonviolence. One of the things I like is that it achieve, he said it achieves uh, moral ends through moral means. And I mean, that, I mean, it's just beautiful the way he says everything. I love that old Southern <clears throat> soulful yeah. preacher voice that <laughs> we, he had. So tr- <laughs> we were watching the video and we don't have the sound on it the way that we had to play it for you guys. So I was reading it to Charlie mm-hmm. in my best MLK Jr. voice. Yes. You know, Hit or miss. It was, yeah. <laughs> not that, not that great. Not a, not that great overall. But that old, that old Southern soulful, yeah, gospel. It's good. It's just like a, it just kind of grips you, you know. So take me through some of Nicole's article here and some of these quotes. Well, I, let us know what you all think about the video too. Yeah, obviously, really important speech. He had a lot of them, and uh, you know, I, I think it's. A really good clip you took, Nate. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for grabbing that. For I didn't make the subtitles. Just, you know, the computer The <laughs> no. computer did those. Yes, that was yeah. auto-generated. Yeah, very terrible subtitles. Yes. We need to work on the AI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is coming from uh, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. How Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. inspires libertarian values. We owe all we uh, We all owe this man many thanks for the tenacity and bravery he displayed during his lifetime. He may not have identified as a libertarian, but many of his messages ring true within the ideology of self-ownership, the non-aggression principle, and volunteerism. So naturally, I decided today is the best day to highlight this correlation. Here are 10 of Dr. Keene's quotes that that accidentally support libertarianism. I like how she put, they accidentally support it. Right. First quote here, I have a dream that my children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Being judged based on character requires taking personal responsibility and seeking to be the best possible version of yourself, despite whatever challenges are put in our way. You know, it's also, uh, we have a big problem. I mean, I thought that what we were trying to head for was this, but our society is moving away from this right now. And apparently if you say you're colorblind, then that's 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 even more racist. Yeah. And I (laughs) thought that was the goal the whole time. Right. Was to literally not care what the color of someone's skin was because they're a human being. And so you just don't care what the color of their skin is. Right. Is that a human? I'm a human. Cool. 
Let's do human things together. Right. We'll, we'll just do that. We're moving away from are that Are you a right cool now. person? Like, are yeah. you fun to hang out with? Are you cool? Are you good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to shoot me or something? So we can <laughs> we can hang out and be cool. Yeah. Doesn't and, matter what color your skin is. But we're moving we're moving away from that. And it's very interesting. I, rem- I was reading this essay from Ayn Rand also, and she was talking about how racism was one of the worst forms of collectivism. She She calls racism and white supremacy and all this and people grouping together by their colors, just another form of collectivism. And she was against collectivism. And so really good, really good essay on that. I will, uh, I'll find a link to it and show it to you guys. But it's not a good path to go down where we, where we first judge someone based on what the color of their skin is. And I, we're seeing this when it comes to jobs, high up positions, all kinds of stuff. Literally, the color of your skin can be the first thing we know that Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris because she was a black woman. Yeah. Not because she was the best person available to be the vice president of the United States. And Joe Biden's like, from what I, from what my understanding is, you don't pick people based on their best, you know, <laughs> because I was vice president, yeah. <laughs> you know? And even Milton Friedman alluded to this on the Donahue show when he said, do you think the presidents pick their cabinet members based on the virtue of yeah. the person filling that position? Yeah. You know, or is it their friends or is it the person who you think will most get you elected? So the, you know, I think this is obviously, uh, obviously a famous quote, but really, really important quote that uh, is still relevant today. Uh, You know, I don't even, you know, when I, as a, as a business owner and I've had several different people work for me, I never once even looked at what race they were. I literally looked at their qualifications I did an interview with them. You tell me you didn't hire Derek because he was black? No. I really? Didn't. I didn't hire Derek because he was black. Not oh, because okay. I had to fill some kind of whatever. I hired him because he was the best person for the job. <laughs> so it's like you you have to literally disregard, I think is what he's saying here, disregard the color of people's skin. What is their character? You know, what is what are their qualifications? What you know, what makes them who they are? And color has nothing to do with that. Color has nothing to do with your, with your emotions or your qualifications or anything like that. So I think that's really important. Next one. Never forget that everything Hitler did in Germany was legal. That's a good quote. This is really important. She elaborates here saying, Dr. King exposes the unfortunate truth that the state can exploit under the ruse of legality that law can be corrupt alluding that those in authority are not necessarily uh, benevolent and that authority is worthy of being questioned. It's a very libertarian idea. I had this the other day. I was talking to someone. I don't remember the exact conversation. Oh, I I know now. He, somebody messaged me and was like, Hey, I thought taxation was theft. Like according to the constitution, it's legal. Like, well, just because it's legal doesn't make it morally correct. Yeah. The argument slavery was legal. The argument that taxes are in the Constitution now, that it was ratified by the states, does not mean that it does not violate my rights. Right. And I don't care that it's in the Constitution. Right. It has nothing to do. Yeah. Something being legal has nothing to do with morality whatsoever. And this is true. Never forget that everything Hitler did in Germany was legal. Now, we don't know about everything, but the majority of (laughs) what he did was, was completely legal. And not only were people complicit, they were enthusiastic about what he was doing. 
So hey, Aaron said, Dr. King brought up Hitler. Does that mean he lost? <laughs> no, not, back, not back then. They've been saying a lot of fun stuff, funny yeah, stuff in this today. Next one. Anything else to say on that quote? Uh, no, I'm good. Next one. We must live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Now, of course, he wasn't a sexist that we, that we know of. He meant... He just meant brothers as in like everyone. Yeah. She elaborates here. Unity is the only way to overcome any problem as a society. Learning how to live... Uh, cooperatively is paramount for people to flourish. So a nation, a nation divided can't stand. Yeah. And, and from the old Chinese proverb. Mm -hmm. Yep. You want to continue on here? Yeah, sure. He said, as my sufferings mounted, I soon realized that there were two ways in which I could respond to my situation, either to react with bitterness or seek to transform the suffering into a creative force. I decided to follow the latter course. This is a really great way. So she says, you recognize that it's not what happens to you, but how you respond to it, which is what truly matters. And that's exactly right. He was going through, obviously, uh, any person of color was going through a very, very terrible times. And he decided that he could choose how he was going to respond to the situation. Uh, he said he could transform the suffering into a creative force and decided to follow that. I think that that is the best option for us as libertarians right now. And I think it's the best option for anyone who's going through any type of oppression is to instead of... Or any of, type of suffering. Yeah, any suffering, which is everyone. Yeah. You're always going to run up against terrible times. and so they're, Regardless of what the color of your skin is, maybe you have all the advantages in the world, you know, which is a hell of a lot of advantages... Uh, but you've got cancer or your mom's got cancer or something like that. You know, it, it you could have all the money in the your world. Your father's an alcoholic brute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what this, re this reminds me of Jordan Peterson very much. So in his message, which is like, do you have, do you have reasons to be resentful, resentful about your life and existence? Yes. You have lots of reasons to be, you know, he said, what is, what is he going to say in that speech? He's like, God, there's reasons to be resentful about your experience. Everyone you love is going to die and you too. But he's yeah. then, but the, he goes on to say, so that essentially gives you two choices. Either you can be bitter and resentful and act out in violence and anger, or you can decide that everything you do matters. Like you can decide, you can decide despite my suffering, I can transform it into a creative force and, and have an effect on the world in a positive sense rather than acting out your bitterness and your resentment because that leads to violence and anger and just and, and destruction. And so, I mean, we've seen it play out in history so many times. So I think that this is a really important <clears throat> message for, for human psychology, for, for people who are dealing with suffrage. We all go through it in one shape or fashion. If, if you're not going through it now, you will, it's coming. So this is something that you have to, that you have to decide that when everything is against you, how are you going to react to that? Are you going to act out your resentment and your, and your bitterness, or are you going to choose to transform that into a creative force? And I don't think there's anything more important, especially with what we're seeing break out on both sides with the riots last summer, the people on the left and the riots on with the people on the right and the Capitol. I mean, you know, acting out your resent, your resentfulness and, and bitterness is does not lead to good things. Well, let's skip over to a, a quote that goes along with that. He says, returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that is, 
like what Charlie would just say, we're seeing riots now from both sides. And and <clears throat> this was actually the main basis, other than I don't think a capital riot was good over not having all the information from the election, but deciding that you know what the outcome should have been without actually having the detailed information. It also doesn't do anything good at the end of the day. We're going to see massive overreach from government, I think worse than 9-11, to tell you the truth. I, I, it'll be like 9-11 times 100 and. 37,000. So it's going to be, it's going to be pretty bad. And when you return violence with violence, it just ends up with more violence. We're going to end up with a, a bigger and more tyrannical government. If you're going to do something like that, there needs to be an end game. By the way, if you're going to do something like that, where the government is not just going to be able to punish all of the people because you did something stupid. That's why I thought that it was such a, a terrible and stupid thing for a bunch of people to do out there. So, and you do it just the more that you, you know, we kept saying it all year last year when the riots were going on. Was there less racism after you burned down a bunch of buildings and looted a bunch of stores and stuff like that and, and assault, assaulted people and all that? Is there less racism after that? Is there more? Less police interactions. Are you going to beat the love into other people? Is that the way that it's going to happen? You know, you're going to burn someone's building down and they're going to love unconditionally after that? You know, they're going to... According to Lindsey Graham, that's how you you can bomb people into democracy. Exactly. (laughs) You're going to bomb them into love. It's just, that is not the way to solve your problems. Violence is not the way to solve your problems unless, unless, I will say unless, it is the absolute last resort and the continuing down the path you're continuing is is going to lead to something far worse than what your little bit of violence at the Capitol is going to create afterwards. Mm-hmm. And your little bit of your tantrum at the Capitol is going to create a lot more violence on the back end. So it's, it's, it's not a good idea, in my opinion. He also said one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. Very libertarian right there. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Nullification, baby. She says, resisting oppression and tyranny is not only responsibility, but is absolutely necessary. (laughs) Necessary is the way that I read that in my head. So... Absolutely necessary, man. I agree. (laughs) You gotta find ways to... You gotta find ways to do this that don't end up with you in prison for like 10, 20, 30 years, you know? Uh, I think you also have to be pretty smart about that. But I do believe that it's... It, it, you do have a responsibility to disobey the unjust laws where where you can and still continue living your life just not in the prison cell for the rest mm-hmm. of your life and so you got to you got to weigh the the cost benefit there and and what you can actually do to to stop those laws so so anyway anyway do you want to keep going with two more here Hannah McLovin says that that's one of her favorites yeah, yeah. disobey unjust laws are we calling her Hannah McLovin now yeah i decided earlier can i just call her McLovin Jeff, Jeff actually named her that. Okay. And so now we're, yeah, you can call her Hannah McLovin. You can call her McLovin. It's your, it's our show. Okay. It's her (laughs) name, but it's our show. Can say whatever I want. (laughs) Yeah. All right. (laughs) Uh, It continues on here. Returning violence for. No, I just, uh, yeah. (laughs) He'll read anything on the teleprompter, folks. (laughs) You got to stop him. Scroll down here a bit. Uh, (laughs) Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Uh, it is self-explanatory, but can be looked into even deeper, where many today seek social justice by means of stealing via taxation, silencing via censorship and oppression in the name of reparations. This, in turn, single-handedly unites every thread of perceived justice. Unties. 
sorry, unties every thread of perceived justice. Makes way more sense it that does. way. It does. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, I mean, you can't... It de- makes a lot of necessary sense to <laughs> you, say it that way. You can't commit an act of injustice on someone to provide someone else with justice. Then you'd still just end up with right. injustice yes. at the end of the day. It's, yeah, th- you know? that's math, by it's, the way. <laughs> I did the math. I wrote it out over here. And when you commit an injustice... To fix a justice, there's still an injustice. There's no, e- yeah, it doesn't yeah. equal justice. Yeah, still over here. And that's a that's a really good principle. It's also goes to the, uh, what would you say, like the, let's say the equal protection under the law, so <clears throat> to speak, that if if one person can do something and get away with it, another person can't. Well, then that then, then justice holds no bearing whatsoever. Uh, Milton Friedman was given a speech one time and told a story uh, about how uh, one of his uh, professors or friends was telling him that the one thing that would destroy the world would be the search for justice. And that sounds kind of weird, right? The search for justice. But the problem is when you're, you have all these injustices being perpetrated against you all the time. And so you're trying to write that and get yourself in what you call your justice for yourself. There's climate justice and there's racial justice and there's, there's all these different social kinds of justice, justice, social justice. And you end up committing a bunch of injustices against a, a bunch of other people. And that's exactly what he was talking about, that everyone fighting for their own brand of justice would be what would destroy the world. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty, pretty prophetic if you ask me. Hey, not bad. Yeah. Next one here. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right temporarily defeated is stronger than evil triumphant. Is that your best one? No, I was just, I started to get into it. (laughs) I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right temporarily defeated is stronger than evil triumph. You got to go. Some of them you got to do longer, though. Temporarily defeated. You got to do stuff like that, too. Get your cadence right. Look on the words. That was my best. You You do it. No, I'm not. I would never try that live on a podcast. (laughs) I would not. She uh, she elaborates (laughs) on this. Unarmed truth cannot exist in a society that seeks to silence and censor alternative ideas. And uh, that's important right now as well. I mean, the fact that we can uh, explicitly say things or, or deny uh, other things as if, uh, for instance, uh, climate science is settled. The science is settled. First science ever to be settled. That's by an way. unarmed truth, obviously, <clears throat> because uh, it's not settled. So, and, and he's also saying temporarily defeated is stronger than evil triumph rather than Rather than, you know, getting the the small victory, let's say, of if you were to commit violence and, you know, overthrow people, the the long-term effects of that is evil triumph. Yeah. Rather than winning through unconditional love. And what, what he's basically saying is that our, you know, our truth, which is our main principle boils down to self-ownership. Uh, that's the that's the whole basis. Self, you own yourself. Other people don't. And, and what he's saying is that unarmed truth and unconditional love, you know, basically nonviolent uh, protection of those truths. And like, this is a truth, self-ownership. That's a, to me, that's an unarmed truth right here. Like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. have to go out and, and impose that truth on anyone. 
by any type of violence. Like that's just something that's it's sitting here. We don't have to, I don't have to commit any violence against you. I don't commit any injustice against you for it to be the fact that I actually own myself. And that is the truth that if we stay with that and we do the unconditional love that he says that they will have the final word in reality. And so if you, if you stick to those things, you stick to the nonviolence that it's going to come back to those people who their truth didn't have to be implemented on other people with violence. It, it just it, is. It just is. Right. Like, it's, that's the truth, mm-hmm. you know? And that if you fight for it that way, in ideological sense, not physical fighting, media people, okay? If you fight for it that way, that that is what will have the final word in reality, which is what we say all the time, uh, that at the end of the day, we can put our head on the pillow at night, we know that we're right. You can at least have that. And, you know, when the dust settles and the ashes all settle and everything, uh, that we were the people that were talking about what was the truth and what was right. And we actually have the moral high ground. We do. We do. We do. There you go. Moral high ground. Which will, which that, that the ground is high <clears throat> enough. It rises above the ashes. So you guys are safe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You try your best impression with the next one. Here we go. I could never again raise my voice. That's all you got? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Oh, wow. I'm calling them out right here on the podcast. Man. He says, I could never again raise my voice against the violence of the oppressed without having first spoken clearly to the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today, my own government. Hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> I could never again raise my voice... And that was just in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. My, raise my voice against the violence of the oppressed without having first spoken clearly to the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today, my own government. So he's saying, I can't go out here and preach about the violence of the oppressed, or violence towards the oppressed, and preach against that without speaking about the fact that the government is the worst purveyor of violence on everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's, and that's true. Like, and that, they have the legal use of force. That's why. That's re- he's saying, like, I would, be, I would be a hypocrite if I, didn't, if I wasn't talking about the government being the greatest purveyor of violence. I couldn't go out here and talk about how people are committing violence against other people if I didn't first talk about how the fact that this is what the government does on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. We know that. We, we, we know it. All right? And that's where, when you hear people talking about these riots and you hear people talking about everything that's gone on so far this year, these are all people that would refuse to mention the fact <clears throat> that all of their ideas had to be implemented through violence, that they want more government, which is more violence on other people, that the violence has been the biggest perpetrator. The government has been the biggest perpetrator of violence against other people around the world. The fact now. that they killed, you know, the fact that they're <clears throat> probably responsible for 300,000 deaths in yeah. America from COVID, <laughs> considering the fact that they wouldn't release a vaccine that was created in, in 48 hours. We're about to talk about a vaccine here in a minute, mm-hmm. by the way. <clears throat> yep. Uh, There is nothing more majestic than the determined courage of individuals willing to suffer and sacrifice for their freedom and dignity. Mm. One more time. There is nothing more majestic than the determined courage of individuals willing to suffer and sacrifice for their freedom and dignity. And it's it's days like today and reading things like this where I I get hope again. Mm -hmm. You know, because there are many days I feel defeated, right? I feel like, man... There's no hope for liberty. And there are many days that Charlie feels defeated. <laughs> but is. today is not one of them. No, today I'm inspired. Right. Today I have hope. Good. I have courage, determined courage. He's um, got determined courage. <laughs> Can I get an email? 
<laughs> but it, it's really us as individuals never letting the idea and and the willingness to suffer and sacrifice for freedom and dignity that that we won't go unheard. We yeah, won't, we won't go unnoticed. That's why we do this, right? That's why it's literally why we do that's this. That's why I. That's why I get up in the morning and, and, and put my pants on. <laughs> That's a lie. I don't put pants on <laughs> in the morning. Sh- maybe a shirt. Come on. <laughs> okay, so just remember, just remember Martin Luther King Jr. today, and and not so much the the more socialistic ideas and policies. We're coming from a different time there, but there is a really core basis of ideas there. And while I might have gone wrong in how we would implement some of this justice— on, on people, which would be through the threat of violence via the government. What he was saying was philosophically correct. Yes, very philosophically correct, especially in the principle of nonviolence. I think all sides need to realize that, that we can still, what I take from this is that we still need to try and fight this battle with our minds and with our words, with our podcasts. It, they're never going to censor podcasts. Right? <laughs> what kind of a segue is that? Let me yeah. tell you what, that yeah, is a could, perfect segue. could never... People aren't hiding out in podcasts. There's no way that this is going to start becoming part of the mainstream that podcasts need to be. Oh, wait, hold on. From the Associated Press, <laughs> real <laughs> quick. We're going to do something that's slightly negative, a couple things that are negative, and then end with a liberty win, in my opinion, coming out of, of all places, the tyrannical state of Illinois. You don't say. Yes. What I consider to be mostly a win for liberty that we can support 90% of the ideas that are inside of their new police reform bill. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about all of you, but I feel like I'm my best self when I'm doing things that I truly care about, like this show, day trading, spending time with my family. But when you're overwhelmed, it can be tough to find the motivation to spend time with loved ones or work on a project you need to get done. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. Because when you feel confident, empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws at you. I'm one of the many people that have benefited from therapy. It helped me filter through all the noise, get down to the root cause of my problems so I could actually solve them and move on. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash GML. Well, thank you, Reverend Thurston. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, what were we going to talk about? The Associated Press came out with this nice article. I sent it over to Charlie. We've been telling you guys that they're going to censor podcasts sometime, all right? And it, it, it doesn't start with a politician saying, we need to censor podcasts. That's no. not what it starts with. It starts in the culture and starts inside a society. And then it becomes a, a popular idea. And if it becomes popular enough of an idea, then eventually some politicians will decide that they can say such a thing and still be able to get reelected because podcasts they need to say such a thing to get reelected. Yes. Yeah. To stay, to keep their salary. It's necessary. So this is how it starts is with these types of articles, which, Hey, I freely support their right to write these types of articles and put them on the internet to poison people's brains. But do they freely support us to blast it? They would not. <laughs> they would not. The article, I'm, we're just with our words. Extremists exploit a loophole in social moderation. 
podcast. Next on the chopping block, baby. It's coming. All right. Let's get as much in as we can. Major social platforms. Have been... Hang on. Y'all got almost 400 episodes to go listen to, man. Get them while, get them while you still get can. While might, you might want to download them even. You might need the to. The old MP3 format. We may have to go underground, Nate. We'll have to just go straight to the website, I'm sure. Uh, we're going to need to put a stack of servers in here. <laughs> yeah. We're going to need to host our own website, get all the traffic. We'll 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 host our own audio. You'll have to download them, get your old MP3 players out, and uh, download the episode so you can stream it that way. Yep. You get to work on that. I don't know how technology works, so uh, you're going to have to do that. Uh, I can well, plug in the wire. Before we get shut down on Patreon, we need a few more Patreon supporters so I can buy the... By the equipment. Yeah, so go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty if you want to continue supporting this show, because we're about to be under assault. Although, I not, will do that, by the way. If we get shut down, I'm going. that's the way I'm going. Yeah, we're not going to... You know what we need to do is we need to build a building where people can come and listen to us every day, you know? And we can go up there, and we'll make it the, you know, I don't know, the Church of Liberty out here. Oh, okay. And we'll be tax-exempt. We'll have different satellites and yeah. places. We'll stream out <laughs> to the satellite areas. So major social platforms have been cracking down on the spread of misinformation and conspiracy theories. I tell you today, we will not be denied <laughs> streaming quality. <laughs> conspiracy theories in the lead up to the presidential election expanded their efforts in the wake of the January 6th Capitol riot, Ooh. a date which will live in infamy. But Apple and Google, among others, have left open a major loophole for this material. Podcast. Podcasts made available by the two big tech companies let you tune into the world of the QAnon conspiracy theory. Wallow in the President Donald Trump's false claims of a stolen election and bask in other extremism. Bask in extremism. Accounts that have been banned on social media for election misinformation Threatening or bullying and breaking other rules also still live on as podcasts available on the text giants platforms. Mm. And then the crowd goes, I don't think it's too bad of an impression, honestly. <laughs> it's not horrible. Conspiracy no. theorists. Back to my Illinois white, <laughs> as I call it. Conspiracy theorists have peddled stolen election fantasies, coronavirus conspiracies, and violent rhetoric. One podcaster, Red Pill 78 called the Capitol siege a staged event in a January 11th episode of Red Pill News. Also, now is their biggest download day they've had. <laughs> the day before the Capitol riot, a more popular podcast, X-22 Report, spoke confidently about a Trump second term, explained that Trump would need to remove any members of Congress to further his plans, and said, we the people, we are a storm, and we're coming to D.C. That's mm. very violent. So That's violent. very violent. We're a storm. Those, yes, violence. Like uh, like Marvel, like Storm? <laughs> They're going to be throwing lightning bolts? Yeah. Both are available on Apple and Google Podcast platforms. Mm. They are singling out the enemy here. It's Apple and Google. They're not doing enough. You see, Apple and Google and all these places, what they're doing right now is try, trying to escape regulation from the government. That's what they're trying. They're trying to prove that they can remain free, in quotation marks. Uh, and so what they're doing is they're trying to appease the regulators before the regulations come and say, hey, look, we're already doing this. We're doing it in a way that if you guys pass regulations, you're going to get all kinds of Supreme Court free speech challenges, all kinds of stuff. We'll do it for you. Leave us alone, please. Mm -hmm. That's that's what they're doing right now. But it's never going to be enough. Here's the most egregious paragraph. 
I put it in bold here. I can't get that speech pattern out of my head now. <laughs> All right. Podcasting plays a particularly outsized role in propagating white supremacy, said a 2018 report from the Anti-Defamation League. Many white supremacists, like QAnon adherents, support Trump. Are, is QAnon and white supremacy, are those exclusive to each other? Like they have, or are those together? I have like no they, idea. I've actually never looked into QAnon. I don't understand my, it. Lacey asked me what it was a few days ago, and I was like, I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I, I honestly couldn't tell you what, what it is. Is, this, is that the Pizzagate I thing? I think it has something to do with the child sex rings or something like that. I don't know. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Epstein had an island, okay? <laughs> and, was, and he also didn't kill himself. And it was accused of sexual assault and and rape and all kinds of things of minor kids for a very long time mm-hmm. since the 90s folks yeah 30 years worth of it and there were a lot of prominent people in fact even the <laughs> royal crown the british crown one of the princes was i don't remember who it was william or somebody i don't pay I don't attention know. to those people was uh was had a picture taken with an underage girl that he had sex with and well so, no, we didn't confirm that part there was at least a picture that was that's the accusation yeah yeah and so my thing is, is like, okay, well, maybe, maybe Pizzagate isn't so far-fetched. I don't know all the, I don't know. I don't have the evidence to support it. But what I'm saying is that there is evidence that there is definitely some nefarious players who are high up in, in certain governments and, and social status. Yeah. But was okay. Trump sent in upon high to, uh, to show, bring all of this that to I light and to take it down? I have no idea. Because I, no I think idea. that's the other part. I haven't it. looked into QAnon enough. Yeah. In fact, I'm actually, I mean, I'm not that afraid because I think I can know, I know how to bounce my stuff around, but I don't really want to type it into my computer. Oh yeah. Because like then I, like I'm trying to avoid us being D platforms. Mm. You're trying to stay off not, as many lists as you can. And it's not worth, yeah. I mean, it's not worth it for me to look into. Podcasting's an intimate, humanizing mode of communication that lets extremists expound on their, expound on their ideas for hours at a time said Oren Segal of ADL's Center on Extremism. <laughs> it lets them communicate for hours at a time. Yeah. Okay, so so it plays a particular outside role in propagating white supremacy. Yes, because obviously white supremacy is a bigger deal now than it was back in the 50s and 60s, and that's because we have podcasts. That's how it's grown to be so popular mm-hmm. among the U.S., whereas before podcasts, we didn't have white supremacy. Yeah. And now that we allow people to talk on podcasts... There's a whole bunch of white supremacy everywhere. It's every you look left and right. White white supremacists. It's even on you know? uh, white supremacy is even on Joe Rogan. Yeah, but, I know. But you know what's funny? You look at the, you take a look at the biggest podcasts. They're all on the left. Oh yeah. Every well, other than one Joe Rogan, I guess. But yeah, other than Rogan, which he's still on America. The, he's still on the left. <laughs> he is. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're right. <laughs> so literally, all the biggest podcasts. Uh, I you know there aren't that many. Maybe Shapiro is the only. Yeah, conservative. I, don't know. I know that's in the top fifty. He well, I know Megan Kelly's been up there in the top podcasts, like top ten. Shapiro was obviously up there. Rogan's almost always on top. But mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, most of the podcasts out there are peddling leftist extremism. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's they're 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 preaching an ideology that's killed a hundred million people mm-hmm. on their podcasts. What's their conspiracy theories? Uh, that wasn't real communism conspiracy yeah. theories. <laughs> you got all these conspiracy theories about how the the 
you know, Russia and Venezuela only fell apart because of the CIA. And and that's the only reason. It had nothing to they do with do their economic They do have some ludicrous things, don't <laughs> they? Crazy. I'm not saying the CIA doesn't get involved in, in damaging other countries, but that literally is... Because if, they most certainly do. If you mention, I mean, literally you can go, I was reading this guy's post and he posts all kinds of stuff from Marxism.org. It's a website. Oh, God. It's terrible and awful to use, by the way, of course. But literally, it was all about how the CIA is what caused the fall of all the socialist countries and everything. And it weren't for that. It was going to be this perfect utopia. They were going well. They were going well before the CIA crushed them. Yeah. Of course. Yep. Same thing in China, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's CIA must have done it. CIA. That's, that's what happened. And we, once we got the CIA out of China, that's why their economy started getting better and freer and all, all kinds of stuff like that. It was actually... Mm -hmm. CIA insurgents that were creating the the brutal millions of people being killed. That's, that's what it was. Yeah. Of course. Had to be. No conspiracy theorists from the left at all. <laughs> you know? Only on the right. Trump only won because Russia posted on Facebook a bunch of times. <laughs> that's the only reason. Obviously, he would have never won if Russia yeah. didn't have that Facebook account. But not my you know? president. That's, was... that's why. It, you know, it wasn't that long ago. How quickly we forget. I know. Folks, four years ago. All right. You're up, Chuck. Uh, do you, you missed the end here. Oh, did I? Yeah. Podcast oh. filled. Podcast. Oh, yeah, that is an important one. It is. Quote, podcast filled with hatred and incitement to violence should not be treated any differently than any other content. Seagal said, if you're going to take a strong stance against hate and extremism in the platform in any way, it should be all inclusive. That. That goes on both sides, doesn't it? Uh, no, no, of course not. <laughs> they're inciting uh, justice. Yeah, that's what they're what they're inciting. So, uh, yeah, podcast filled with hatred and incitement to violence. What? And this is this is where the words become really important, and and why this is where the rubber meets the corner, man. I've always talked to my wife about how what Jordan Peterson was talking about was so. Why did he go so far off the deep end because of a a bill? C-16 in, in, in Canada, Canada, that, Canada, in Canada, that would essentially control words that people used. And words are very important. You know, they went back and they changed the definition of racism in Webster's Dictionary last year. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you can't be racist against white people because you, racism can only come from the people who have institutional power and some kind of whatever, whatever it is. Like, they changed the meaning of words. And, and so what you end up seeing is filled with hatred and incitement to violence. What falls under hatred? What's hate speech? What is it? I don't know. Are we? Do we have hatred against the government right now? If we say that we shouldn't have reparations, are we? Are we hateful towards people? And uh, I don't know what the what the line is. And the problem is there isn't a line. Right. And, and so I think it, Jordan Peterson said this best too. He said, "Who defines hate?" Yeah. And he said exactly the people you don't want defining it. And I, I think that's why people like him, or you could even say, you know, Ben Shapiro gets really ingrained in these social, these societal issues uh, with, uh, you know, trans rights and, and all this kind of stuff. I think they do that, not so much for that specific instance, but that they see that they're, you start taking apart the meaning of words and you can morph into people having control over whatever it is that they want because anything can be anything everything is subjective all the time mm -hmm. and you can put lump anyone in with hatred and incitement to violence if you want to so th that is really where the danger that's why you have to you have to talk about 
not that I agree with. Well, and this is what happened throughout history. But... I mean, it's not hard to look back, no, and understand that this is the same things that Hitler did, same things that Stalin did, and and even Lenin and Mao and all these people. This is how it starts, mm. folks. It's the writings on the subway. Okay. Nicole just sent another quote from MLK. So the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for hate or for love? Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice or for the extension of justice? And we need to be extremists for personal liberty. You know, that's what I, that's what I want to do. But I the am, love part is really important. You know, I am an extremist for loving liberty. Yeah, I said it. You're a liberty extremist. Put me on the list. You are. You violently want to leave other people alone. Now, this next article, uh, the the way I talk about this could be considered hate speech. Incitement, definitely. Definitely incitement. This is just, here's another example of how much the government loves you, folks. (laughs) This coming from Fee. I know everyone's going to be so shocked to hear this. (laughs) The FDA is holding up a cheap vaccine as COVID deaths surge. Imagine that. Imagine that, y'all. For months, Americans were told by many scientists and media that lockdowns were necessary until a vaccine for COVID-19 was available, even though it was unclear when that would be. Two vaccines have since been approved for use, but the virus is claiming lives faster than ever, in large part because officials are struggling to distribute them fast enough. Now, imagine imagine that as well. That's pretty... Uh, that. You get this vaccine brought to you by the free market, you know, yeah, fairly free market, you know, they didn't want to take the government money up front, but they knew they would be getting government purchase orders for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, call that what you will. And then they just sit on it for like a year. And then when it comes to time to roll it out, they botch that. It's just trying to throw in all these things like we need to do it based on social justice for yeah. for it. You know, it, it, it's crazy what they've done with the rollout so far. Well, you leave it to the government to distribute these types of things. They're so inefficient. I know. They're so Mother truck and inefficient. Two vaccines have since been approved for use. I already said that. Medical experts say the bottleneck could be loosened if the FDA approved Oxford AstraZeneca, a vaccine developed by Oxford researchers that is far more affordable than other vaccines currently available and far easier to distribute. And I believe this is the one that only needs to be refrigerated, not frozen. Mm-hmm. That's why. The FDA, quote, the FDA needs to stop playing games and authorize the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. It's safe, cheap, 2 to $3 a dose, and is the easiest vaccine to distribute, says Dr. Dr. Marta McCary, a professor of surgery and health policy at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Sounds pretty legit, like a legit person. <laughs> Seems like it. It does not require freezing and is already approved and being administered in the UK. Others agreed. Economist Alex Tabarak pointed out that AstraZeneca's coronavirus vaccine is being produced at the Baltimore plant right now and is capable of producing tens to hundreds of millions of doses annually. It's already being produced in Baltimore, folks. They just can't use it. We just can't use it. It's already being used in the United Kingdom, though. They're they're producing it in Baltimore and shipping it overseas. (laughs) Thousands of people are dying every day. We have a vaccine factory ready to go, Tabarak wrote on the economics blog Marginal Revolution. Uh Uh-oh, that site's getting taken down for sure. Marginal Revolution. The FDA should lift its ban on the AstraZeneca vaccine. Now, why do they have it banned? Can anybody give a good reason? Probably. Why would we want this banned? Probably because it's only two to three dollars a dose. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you know? I mean, and the senators aren't holding stock in AstraZeneca. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the free market, I'm going to say, you don't think that Pfizer and Moderna 
have anyone working anywhere in the FDA saying that they need to hold back that vaccine. Right. While they're getting this va- while they're getting their expensive vaccine they're probably out there. in a certificate of need lawsuit right now. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so there you go folks, that's the that's the government looking out for you, of course. Mhm. They Oh, I know the AstraZeneca one doesn't have the chip in it. Oh, that's yeah. why it's cheaper. You got to get those chip vaccines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, real quick here, good win for liberty in my opinion coming out of Illinois. All right, so this is a this is some positive. of our audience might hate this. Actually, actually, but. a lot a lot of people who listen won't agree with a lot of these things. And that's fine nowadays. But I'll tell you why we agree. We'll tell you why we agree. Massive Illinois police reform bill ends cash bail, limits deadly force, mandates body cameras, and makes it easier to dump crooked cops. Illinois lawmakers have kicked off the new year with a massive police reform bill. It will eliminate the use of cash bail and the use of daily force. All those things I just said. Uh, They said it was passed Wednesday by the Senate and then early Thursday morning by the state's House. Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker has praised the bill, so it seems likely he'll sign it into law. Let me tell you some of the stuff that is in this bill. And I think it's pretty good, and there's a couple things I think that aren't. So it creates a process for the state's attorney general to take a law enforcement officer to the civil court uh, if that officer has violated a person's civil rights to seek financial damages. It has a cap of $50,000, by the way. So it's not millions of dollars Mm -hmm. for pain and suffering. So there is a cap on it. It mandates body cameras for all police officers in the state with compliance deadlines staggered across the next four years. Ooh, what's that body camera stock? Oh, what was that? I'll look, look it starts with a C. There's a C in it somewhere. should look that up. Yeah, There might be a play on that. So this is a good idea, in my opinion, mandating body cameras. Remember, when we talk about mandates... These are mandates over government officers that have the use of force against the citizens of the state. I am okay with the government mandating rules for its own officers and, and its own police stations. I'm, I'm okay with that. Now, are they? Uh, Jeff makes a good point. Body cams are only as good as when they're turned on. There needs to be something in and there. Charged. Like, what, so. like what we've said, if your body camera is not on, then you're not on duty. Yeah. That's... In my, uh, in my opinion, if it's not on, you're not working. This is an officer of the government, and I want them to have a camera on them at all times. They, I don't know they the, can take my life. I don't know what to do about, the, about them peeing. You know, I don't know how to, how to do that. Like, right. oh, I turned this off, and also I shot a guy because I was peeing. <laughs> on, he was in the bathroom. You know, I don't know what to do. So it'll be a little bit harder, at least, to, uh, to shoot people when you're peeing, I guess. Not when yeah. European, but like when you're in the bathroom using it. It establishes that after January 2023, got to take a long time to not charge people money to get out of jail, monetary bail will be abolished within the state. Instead, people arrested for crimes will be evaluated with the goal of releasing them with only enough uh, pre-trial conditions to ensure they make it to subsequent court appearances and don't commit crimes while on release. Full detention will be ordered only when it is determined that the defendant poses a specific, real, and present threat to a person and has a high likelihood of willful flight. There are many exceptions to the orders for pretrial release, including defendants accused of stalking and domestic violence, many firearm-related crimes, human trafficking crimes, or any forcible felony that comes with a mandatory minimum prison sentence. Mandatory minimum sentences, as System Hood Down would say. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm now I know this is a one that's going to get a lot of pushback mm-hmm. because what happened in New York after they did this the crime rate went up all that you can see with the data and that I'm not saying it's not true. However, there has to be a way to implement this where you 
can't take away people's rights until they're proven guilty, folks. I agree. Like this is the, the this is the, the standard we have to base it off of. Until Innocent someone until proven guilty. Exactly. Whether or not you're awaiting trial, it shouldn't matter. You're innocent until you are proven beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I don't know why doubts have shadows, but they do, and they have for a long time. And you got to go beyond them. And you got to go beyond them with proof. Which is difficult sometimes. It's, yeah, very difficult. Shadows, depending on the angle, can go on for a long time. Yeah. You know, Depending on the time of day, how much deliberation, <laughs> shadows disappear. No, but you shouldn't. How much moonlight is if, out there to cast the moon shadow? If the principle is, if you pay $10,000, then it's safe for you to leave jail, then that needs to be gone. That there's no reason that it should be determined on whether or not you can put up some money to get out of right. jail. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're, if you are a danger to society, they're already going to make the argument that you can't be released on bail anyway. All right. So we're talking about in the times where you can be released on bail and your bail is a hundred thousand dollars and you got to pay whatever percentage of it it is to get out. That needs to be gone. Am I, that literally sets a financial basis for whether or not you're going to sit in a cell or you're going to be able to go home. And that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it is, ma'am. Yeah. I'm just on, telling you. On principle. I know that they did this in New York and it has not gone well or it didn't go well, they said, from what I, from what I heard. Well, I'm the, sorry. And the I data just, doesn't look like it's gone well. I just can't, I can't make the argument that the sole reason you were held in this cell was because you couldn't come up with $1,000 or $10,000 or whatever it was. That's a terrible principle. So it also establishes a new class three felony of law enforcement misconduct with a possible sentence of two to five years in jail. This will cover officers who misrepresent facts during investigation, withhold knowledge of misrepresentation by other officers, or fail to comply with state laws or department police's on body worn cameras. Okay. Class three felony. And that involves failing to comply with the body cameras. Hmm. It, uh, it allows cities with populations greater than 100,000 to require that police live within city limits. I guess that's they have a current law that says population greater than 1 million. That's going to cover one city in, in Illinois <laughs> right now. Yeah. So uh, they're doing it for 100,000, which is going to cover like five cities in Illinois. They'll have to live within the city limits. <clears throat> I, don't, I, I don't really care so much about that one, really. The idea there is that if you are a member of the community that you're going to do a better, more moral job policing it, I guess, if you are a member of the community. I understand the argument for that. I, I don't know if that principle can be held out that because someone lives in the community, they're going to be a better police officer than someone who doesn't live in the community. Mm -hmm. I think you just have to follow the rules of being a police officer. Uh, it also allows for first responders besides police to direct people they encounter with substance abuse problems toward treatment programs without requiring an arrest. It allows funds for police and first responders to carry naloxone and similar supplies that can reverse opioid overdoses. It prohibits law enforcement agencies from requesting or receiving excess military equipment, such as armored vehicles, large caliber guns, or grenade launchers. That's all good. Grenade launchers. <laughs> all right, come out. Oh, man. Come out. We're launching grenades. <laughs> the police are here. RPG. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear him calling uh, the C-130, <laughs> giving him the coordinates <laughs> of somebody's house. <laughs> okay. Now, there's an argument for the military equipment, of course, when you see things like what we saw in 2020. What if the, what if the police do not have any military equipment, like some 
I don't, I don't know, some of the protective gear and, and things like that. They'll just make police equipment that works for these things. That's right. <laughs> what they'll do. Right. And, and essentially, they could just buy it. They're not just going to receive it for free. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean that they're banning them from having those things. It just means that they're not going to get them by efficient means from the government. I, I don't, I'm back and forth on that because I definitely see the argument that there are instances where police might need something that would be classified as military equipment. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then you also don't want the police to be militarized, and, and that's really bad for the enforcement of tyrannical laws mm-hmm. in your community. Yeah. So I would have to lean towards agreeing with that. I, I do too. Charlie Does concurs. on a list? Mm, no, it might take you off the list. Oh, nice. Yeah. It prohibits retaliation against whistleblowers, a problem that has come up repeatedly when people try to expose misconduct in the Chicago Police Department. Mm. It demands that all records connected to complaints against police officers and investigations of police officers be retained permanently. So they're not going to go away, folks. It adds crisis intervention and de-escalation training to the curriculum for new police officers and mandatory training every three years. Requires the state police to participate in and provide data to the FBI's National Use of Force database. So that's a database for police officers, not for people. So everyone knows. It it, uh, amends the police disciplinary process system so that officers under investigation are not provided the names of those filing the complaint. So that's a good protection for whistleblowers or for people who are filing complaints against those officers. That's good. It halts the practice of suspending driver's licenses for failure now, to pay well, traffic let's citations. Go back to that. Some yeah. people would say that you have the right to know your accuser, and that's true unless you're a government employee. Yes, that's the problem. I agree. So you give up your right. You give up some of your rights, essentially, uh, when you're an agent of the government. I, I can agree with that. You're an agent of the, of the force, of the use of force. Yep. So now when you're a civilian, you can know your accuser. It halts the practice of suspending driver's licenses for failure to pay traffic citations or abandoned vehicle fees. Okay, so failure to pay traffic citations, you don't lose your driver's license anymore. I'm fine with that. I don't know how I wouldn't be. I don't know. Well, I I mean, mean, because the right to travel by any means necessary should be a right. There's a a difficult, annoying libertarian conversation there where if we had these uh, magical private Amazon roads... And they find you because you were driving 150 miles an hour on their roads and they gave you tickets and you never paid them. Could they eventually revoke your right or privilege to drive on the Amazon road? It's private property. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not private property, though. My argument with this is always that private roads and property doesn't take away the, the idea that you would still need licenses to drive on Amazon's roads as well. Because a lot of people argue that licenses are a terrible thing from the government. I don't like them, but we all need to realize that if a private person had the roads, they would also require some type of ID for you to be able to drive on their roads. They, they just would. Or we would have come up with autonomous driving a long time yeah. ago. We would <laughs> even need them. Yeah. It forbids the use of deadly force against people who are danger only to themselves and forbids the use of deadly force against those suspected of committing only property offenses, except in the cases of terrorism. Hmm. 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 We're going to have to define terrorism, see how that goes. So that it's, it's interesting, forbids the use of deadly force against people who are a danger only to themselves. I, I like that. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. This whole suspected of committing only property offenses, 
I'm trying to go down the road there where you're trying to apprehend someone, trying to arrest someone that's going around committing property offenses. I don't know. Maybe them and their friends get together and they burn down the whole block where the buildings and you're trying to apprehend them. But the police have nothing that they can even threaten you with because they're not allowed to use any physical uh, violent force. And so therefore, you really don't need to listen to them while they're trying to apprehend you for committing the property offenses in, in the first place. And so there's a bit of an issue there with the defense of private property, in my opinion. But I, I think Well, it didn't overall, say they can't use any force. It just said they can't use deadly force. Yes. Yeah, I think ov- overall, I would have to agree with it as a, as a net positive, is, is what I would say. How much, what do we have left here? It forbids chokeholds and neck restraints and forbids the use of force as punishment or retaliation. It forbids the use of non-lethal weapons in a manner that targets the head, pelvis, or back. And it forbids firing non-lethal weapons indiscriminately into crowds. It also forbids using irritants like tear gas against crowds unless police have both ordered the crowd to disperse and given it enough time to do so. <laughs> now, how much time is that? Now we're just getting into the weeds here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're forbidding the use of tear gas and rubber bullets and all of that. But there's a time limit. You know, if you don't listen to us, then we can use it. I generally would prefer that the police move towards as many nonviolent uses of force as they can. So I, I don't typically like disincentivizing the use of non-lethal force because I, then I think a lot of police officers are left with more violent uses of force. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's such an easy answer, even though we might act like it is sometimes, you know, I don't know. What do you think? And it's yeah, I mean, that's tough. It really depends on the situation. I mean, this is why I like the reasonableness standard. Yeah. Is it is it reasonable to use tear gas to disperse a crowd? I I don't think most of the time not. You don't and think what most- are they Yeah. And what are they dispersing the crowd for? <clears throat> and where is the crowd located? I mean, are they disobeying unlawful orders or unlawful laws? Are you saying that they should use tear gas or no, not? You don't. shouldn't. No, okay. No. In fact, I think it's a banned substance federally or something. Yeah. But somehow they still get away with it. I, I don't understand it. I don't, I'll have to look up the tear gas laws. I did read several times last year that it was a chemical that was banned uh, federally. So it calls for the citation and release rather than the arrest of anybody accused of traffic offenses, petty offenses, or low-level misdemeanors unless they pose an obvious threat to others or themselves. I like that too. Citation and release, rather than the arrest of anybody accused of traffic offenses, petty offenses, things like that. I like that. Overall, the more we can, the the, the less involved the police are in uh, taxing you with a gun on their hip, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more I like it. Yeah. So uh, it establishes that all police officers must be certified to, re- to perform as law enforcement by the state's Illinois Law Enforcement Training Standards Board. More than likely going to be a shitty, terrible board because it comes out of Illinois, but that's at least the standard for everyone. Sorry for the cursing, Mom. It orders the creation of a searchable database of law enforcement officers available to the public, showing each officer's certification status and any sustained complaints of misconduct. A police database for for everyone to be able to access. Yeah. And I'm okay with that, too. Yeah, they have those on us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They do. Now, this one says any sustained complaints, which means the ones that are overruled, obviously, (laughs) that 
that are overturned, like you can't just make false complaints and they're, they're going to stick to that officer's record. But I believe uh, somebody mentioned what about training? I think that's in here. They have to go like training every three years. We might have skipped over it. We just said the they must be certified to perform as enforcement by the, yeah. uh, by the states. All police officers in Illinois must be certified by the state's Illinois Law Enforcement Training Standards Board. And it also said every three years they would be trained on the de-escalation tactics. Mm-hmm. That's what it said. So that's in there too. I, overall, I give this a B plus, A minus, A minus. I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm teetering between those two. Like a ninety out of a hundred, so that's yeah. an A in college. I would, I would find myself voting for this law, assuming that there's not a ninety five percent tax for the rich on the last line of it, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you never know these days, yeah. <laughs> especially in Illinois. Maurice gives it an A, B, a B. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, something has to be done because we obviously, there's way too many laws. I mean, really, what would fix this in a better way would be to reduce reduce the the size and scope and laws of government. They're trying to enforce laws that are on the books. So now we're just making more rules for the the laws that already exist. Rip pages out of the book and you're going to fix a lot of these problems. Right. But of course, government doesn't do that. So when you're looking at solutions, though, if you're going to be an arm of the government that has the authorization to use deadly force. Essentially, you you know, you're James Bond with a license to kill, right? Yeah. Then you have to be held to higher standards. And I don't disagree with having them held to higher standards and also putting some provisions in here that allow for less police interaction uh, with people because you reduce laws, you reduce interaction, reducing interaction reduces wrongful deaths. I agree. That's the ultimate goal. So. Well, we're an hour and 11 minutes into the podcast. I think it's time to wrap this baby up and uh, share the show with a friend. Folks, please continue to share the show. If somebody needs some encouragement for liberty today and they're all hope is, is lost and less hopeless, then share the show with them. My first tweet this morning was, have you accepted the NAP into your heart today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get a friend to accept the NAP into their heart. Uh-huh. All right. That's what you need to do. And if you don't know what that is, then look it up. And if you don't chew liberty, then you. Yep. That's that's essentially what I say. So share the show with a friend, y'all. Keep it going. Uh, lots of reviews and stuff coming in, so we really appreciate all of that. As always, it's so much fun to hang out with every single one of you. And uh, if you do all of that, that's a lot to do. We ask you guys to do a lot at the end of the episodes. and uh, But we save it till the end. Mm-hmm. So if you guys do all of that, Then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.